Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for reading all of that, Beth. I know that it was a mouthful, but um, <laughs> a good mouthful, though. <laughs> a good mouthful. So clearly, you've been busy, and um, I, I did not realize you had published a new book. And we will get that up on the site so people can check it out immediately after the the program. Uh, but but tell us tell us where we are with energy efficiency right now. All right. Well, the nation is uh, you know, sluggishly improving its energy efficiency. It's on the glide path to uh, reducing energy consumption requirements, say, by households and by uh, manufacturing, but it's not uh, accelerating progress sufficiently to meet, for instance, uh, climate change goals or even to make much of a dent in electricity and gas bills. So that was one of the reasons for undertaking this study, which will be released on Monday. So stay tuned and folks will be able to uh, check it out when I, at the end of the program when I give them some info about contacts. Super. Now tell us, because um, the, the study is about the future of electric power in the, in the South, um, and mm-hmm. you are clearly the, the region leader when it comes to these issues. What were some of the key findings out of the report? Well, maybe I could set the stage for a moment because this uh, report was funded by the Strategic Energy Institute at Georgia Tech. And it started almost two years ago when uh, we didn't have the Clean Power Plan, which ended up being the focus of our our report. So just let me lay the context a, a bit more. The report was um, motivated uh, by so the challenges facing the electric system nationwide, but in particular in the South. The electric system in the U.S. is facing sluggish demand growth, partly because of the economic downturn, and also the rise of solar power, power which is challenging the ability of utilities to recover their fixed costs. That is, when um, industry homeowners own their own power generation, they're not buying as much from the electric utility yet the utility still has significant costs to cover from running, from running large power plants. 
So on top of all of these issues, there are uh, growing cyber threats that require increased investment in grid security, and there's a demand for more and more reliable power quality because, you know, we're a digital economy today. So all of these forces are resulting in the forecast that we're going to be paying more for electricity going forward. On top of all of that, we have the need to decarbonize or clean up our power system so that it's not emitting either carbon pollution or socks, knocks, other other um, pollutants. You know, they cause asthma and health problems, ecosystem problems. All of that swirl of challenges is what motivated us to take a look at options for the South and really for the nation as well. Well, the Clean Power Plan is is for most Americans, it's a you know, it's not even on their radar. And mm-hmm. if it is on the radar, it's very confusing. And you know, of course, in the South, there's a lot of kicking and dragging and mm-hmm. arguing about it. Tell us, tell us, give us the honest answer of what this would really do to our electric bills in the South. Okay. Well, first, what is it? So the Clean Power Plan. Uh, it's an administration um, initiative that was proposed in June of last year and will be finalized as a regulation, I believe, before the end of this summer. It tackles, for the first time, um, emissions from existing power plant, carbon emissions, carbon pollution from existing fossil plants. So this is a very big step forward, in my opinion, in environmental economics in the U.S. You know, we have had um, regulations already tackling vehicle emissions. We have these great fuel economy standards that are moving toward uh, moving cities into cleaner air because cars are more efficient today. When you look at carbon emissions, you typically just need to turn to cars and coal. Those are the two um, biggest polluters. So cars are pretty well going you know, in the right direction rather rapidly because of regulations previously um, launched. But now we have regulations for fossil plants. So this is a big step forward. And the critics are out there saying it's going to bankrupt the economy. We can't afford it. It's going to hurt economic growth. So we took a look at those questions. So, you know, is it going to hurt uh, the economy? And what will happen to household bills? So that was kind of, kind of where we were coming from um, in looking at the clean power plan. And so the findings were? <laughs> yeah, the findings are that are. If, if policymakers in states across the U.S. choose the right compliance pathways, they can not only tackle climate change, but they can also grow their economies and cut household electricity bills. It's kind of a counterintuitive conclusion to many who say, oh, oh, you know, this is usually a choice between the environment and the economy. You can't have both. But we're saying, yes, you can if you're smart. And if you invest in the right types of transition technologies. And In our modeling, we looked at a whole variety of options, eight different uh, combinations of approaches. And what we found 
is that if states reduce their dependence on coal more rapidly, if they continue to grow their gas uh, power plants, but tamper that growth, temper that growth, with also an infusion of investment in energy efficiency and renewables, could a price on carbon, a small, modest price on carbon to make all of this happen, promote efficiency and renewables with continued strong policies, and you will get an outcome that gives the CO2 reduction goals for the U.S. and for the world, but also cuts household electricity bills and sparks growth in the economy, doesn't tamper it. Well, and and I think when we talk about sparking growth, we're also talking about creating American jobs. Absolutely. The two go hand in hand. Right. Yep. Um, one of the things that I've been sort of amazed is is how many people are on autopilot when it comes to their electric bill. Like they mm-hmm, don't. They mm-hmm. make a plane in the summer, but they don't really think about it. And um, I wrote an article uh, two summers ago about how I reduced my electric bill by sixty six percent. Ooh, good for you. I know. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> and what all did you do? So um, I, I actually interviewed um, Carl Seville, who you know here in the community, mm-hmm. the Green Building, and he's like, you know, most people don't think about it, but they don't need their air conditioner in the morning, and he was absolutely mm-hmm. And to be wiser about how you use your air conditioning, so I got a programmable thermostat, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I don't I don't run it in the morning. I just, I don't need it. Yep. I, okay, yep. you know, most mornings. And... Um, and then you know, very careful about lights. All my all my light bulbs are changed and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, just very conscientious about my usage. And you know, I don't leave lights on. And and it's harder when you have kids. I understand that because I babysat and I was like, oh my gosh, they never turn a light off. So, but anyway, so yeah, it makes a huge difference. And so I feel like you know, if I can do it, anybody can do it because it's it's easy. You know, it's not like it's not like I'm willing to work hard for it. It is easy, and there's so many new great products on the market, all of these new uh, smart thermostats. I was surprised to learn that about uh, half of the households in the U.S. still don't have a programmable thermostat because it doesn't, they don't cost much. And then many of those who do have the thermostats that can be programmed aren't programming them or aren't programming them very wisely. So there's a lot we can learn if we just pay attention to the details like you were saying in your own situation. Yeah, so our numbers are pretty impressive. You know, I teed up thinking about Georgia, uh, where you you and I are, um, after being prompted by some testimony, a witness last month to the Georgia Public Service Commission hearing that testified that the delayed construction schedule for Plant Vogel units, nuclear units, three and four, were going to add more than $100 to the average annual residential ratepayers bill beginning in 2016, just next year. That's something I think they might, I think households might notice. But in contrast, the kind of savings that we're forecasting from these smart policies are on the same order of magnitude, only they're reductions and not increases. So these may seem like small amounts to a household 
uh, budget, but boy, in aggregate, it's billions of dollars. Right. Well, and I think that's the other thing. It's like, especially, you know, if you start thinking like, all right, if if I could at least educate people, right? If I educated people at my office, at my place of worship, at, mm-hmm. um, you know, at home, at school, you know, then you make, you actually make a big impact. And, and we've done a lot of energy efficiency work at my church. Um, and churches are notorious, right? Because there are a lot of old yeah. buildings, a lot of head in the sand and that kind of thing, and um, well, it we takes up front capital. It does take uh, it does take some money to invest in these better technologies. Right, sometimes but, you know, hard to give it a priority when there are other alternatives, like helping people directly as opposed to right. indirectly. But on the flip yeah. side, you know, should as my argument always is, is should your ties be going to the utility company or they should be should they be going to help people? And so because we're, you know, we're lucky enough to have Georgia Power, Georgia Power has amazing rebates, and Georgia Power mm-hmm. is not the exception. All well, Most utilities have amazing rebates. I mean, most churches and places of worship are on a, you know, a business, some type of small business rate, and they mm-hmm. all have mm-hmm. rates. And so we've actually gotten $1,700 back for nice. efficiency. And the other thing they did was is they said, okay, on Fridays during the summer, we're just going to close. So we're not running the air. Uh-huh. Thanks, $100 a month. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there's lots of things that can make it make a difference. I, I just think people have to think about it, right? Yeah, and I do, I do agree with you that um, many of the utilities in the South have some good rebates. But when you go up north, I know electricity prices are higher, and so maybe it's on the radar more, but you see even better rebates. So I was in uh, Cape Cod for a vacation, and one of my friends needed to get a new uh, electric water heater. And this uh, Massachusetts program called NASSAVE offers $750 if they buy a heat pump water heater. These are great machines. They're just uh, so efficient, and they dehumidify your basement at the same time. So it's like a two-for-one. Plus, you get $750 back from the utility. I wish we had that kind of a program in, right. uh, well, and it's in southern states. Benefits. Yeah, I call those unintended benefits, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And energy savings and rebate and, 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 right? Yeah. And, and dehumidify. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, and, you know, churches are notorious for dank, dark basements. Mm-hmm. It something. would be a great that would be a great machine for, yeah, a church. Right. But we have seen some significant progress, in fact, um, from one of the organizations that you were a co-founder, um, where states where we never thought we would see progress at all, like Arkansas. Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance. Yes, they've reached out to yeah. a lot of states. and Working closely recently with Mississippi doing, and Arkansas, yeah. So there's there's hope, right? There is, there is. And I hope that the um, kinds of, you know, Georgia Tech likes to do studies that where the facts are in front of you. And if you don't like the facts, if you don't believe the facts, you have to get in and say, well, what's wrong with the assumption? So all of this kind of work that we've done and is going to be reported on in our Monday release of the Georgia Tech uh, paper, all of that's meant to try to sort of challenge the um, the myths and some of the misperceptions about what's possible in the future. What can we do? What can we do to clean the air, reduce bills, um, 
or or do we just have to do more of the same? Right. Now, you speak all over the country on these issues. Um, do you do you still find resistance to sort of the idea of energy efficiency and 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 climate change and besides, well, I mean, I, clearly we still have issues here in the south, but outside the south. <laughs> well, you know, I think that um energy efficiency has so many different dimensions to it that usually there's some way you can resonate with with say individual residents and citizens. Either it's the, I want to be independent from the Middle East, I want to clean the air, uh, I want to save money, I want to grow the economy, or you know, at the same time, I want to cut uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So any one of those arguments can move people. So energy efficiencies, um, you know, unlike other movements, there's so many ways you can relate to people. But still, we need to do more because it does come down to how households and businesses spend their money. And then then it's where the rubber hits the road. Uh, What are they going to do? Are they going to go out to see that movie? Are they going to go and maybe replace their old incandescent light bulbs? Um, Well, it's a trade-off. Or they can sit at home in the dark and find other fun things to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I hate to think about the suffering dimension because I, I really try to promote that we can do everything we want to do and just use less energy if we're smarter about it. And like you said, why run the air conditioner when you're not there? That's that's a no-brainer. Right, and I hear people say, "Well, about the pets," and I'm like. Um, God mm-hmm. has way before we had air conditioning, <laughs> and the pets will be fine. Trust me, Lucy, my my cat is fine because I do not run when I'm not in the house. And so, um, you know. Yeah, and I, you hear I, people say that if you cut uh, the thermostat back, you'll just end up uh, running more of the, say, the furnace or the AC unit when you get home, when you want it to be to be cooled faster, but that's you know that's that's not entirely true. You do save a lot still. Right, you're right, not right, running right. for a few hours. So I, I, I am sort of interested in sort of steering this a little bit toward businesses because really mm-hmm. businesses are big wasters too, and they're sort of the opposite, right? You know, they need to be thinking about running the air conditioner at night when nobody's in the office. Do you think? Do you think that? that one of the barriers to businesses is they think it's going to cost them money instead of save them money. Yeah, I think it's some of the same uh, issues. It depends on whether we're talking about big industrial plants like a BMW or a Ford Motor assembly plant or something like that, that where they have professionals. And those professionals also know more than, you know, the people that go out to try to sell their efficiency services. They they know a lot. They're paid. It's their business. They're really smart about it. But the smaller companies that don't have experts, they um they have to they've got a big learning curve. Maybe energy efficiency is managed by somebody who's uh, just a general um you know, general manager and if you're if you're not steeped in the details, you don't really know where to begin. There are a lot of investments for the small uh, business owner and also for the small manufacturer. A lot of these 
things like the uh, variable speed drives for for running equipment, um, compressed air systems, lighting. Lighting is you know, going towards all state lighting, LED lighting, incandescent to fluorescent. If you can't jump all the way to LED, lighting is just a big and great investment for for all businesses. So you're right. It's, uh, it is, does come down to options. Often uh, companies prefer to invest their money in um, taking uh, steps that will expand their uh, their sales. So they go for the revenue generation rather than the cost reduction. And it's not as it's not as sexy and appealing to cut your costs more exciting to be able to double your sales. But when you think about it, if you can cut your costs in half, it's kind of like the equivalent of selling more product and eventually you'll be more competitive because your rates, you know, your costs will come down and you'll be able to outcompete uh, in the marketplace. So energy efficiency helps, helps the economy um, both internally and also um, with our exports, we're you know we're more competitive, uh, a more competitive producer in the world marketplace if we can produce efficiently. Well, and you're so right there, and I think that's something. And I have read several studies, and I think we've got a couple on the site that show that the cost to generate an extra dollar through sales versus the cost to reduce. <laughs> Is by far mm-hmm. more efficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you spend a lot less yep. money, you know, saving money. That's isn't that funny? You spend a lot less money saving money yep. to actually yep. grow sales. So, uh, not that I'm saying you shouldn't grow sales, but I'm just saying. I mean, you, you just have hit every single point. Well, we're almost out of time, and this always goes so fast when I'm having a great conversation. Um, I do want to real quick. Um, I know you've got a website for us, but. I'm assuming the book is available. Is it? Is it an institutional? It's book? available in September. Um, yeah, sorry, Prager Press uh, got the final proofs. I'm going. They're going to full production this month, next month, out in September. Prager. I'm sure that you can already order it, and it's not very expensive. So it's going to be on Amazon. People can pick it up on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or Barnes and Noble or whatever. Yep. Yep. Great. The Georgia Tech Bookstore. <laughs> and the Georgia Tech Bookstore, exactly. And then if people want more information on this report or want to check it out on Monday, what website should they visit? I think they should Google Marilyn Brown Georgia Tech, and that will take them to my website. Um, I have a, a lab. It's called the Climate Energy Policy Lab. So uh, CEPL slash uh, Georgia Tech also gets you there. Super. Hey, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy and you're up in D.C. today, so I'm sure you've got a speaking engagement, and we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. And thank you for your enthusiasm for energy efficiency. That's great, Beth. Appreciate it. my pleasure. Bye. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) bye-bye. I'm such a geek because I do do get excited about energy efficiency, but as you all know, for those who have been listening for the last several years, I get excited about everything. I always tell people we're the cheerleader of all good things sustainable. So anyway, great 
interview with Dr. Brown, and it's always exciting to hear new information from her. Um, she is a very busy lady. We are actually going to be in, uh, interviewing. I, I love this. Um, they're from South Carolina. It's called Fly Punch. And if you got fruit flies and you're trying to keep chemicals out of your house, I think we're going to have a very uh, entrepreneurial, entertaining conversation next week with the folks from Fly Punch. So please join us at 9:30 a.m. Uh, Wednesday morning Eastern Standard Time. And this is Beth Bond signing out with Jeff Hicks and the Heretics Life of Peach. Don't forget Southeast Green is online 24-7 with all your sustainability news in the southeast. Bye, y'all.